Hello, everybody, and welcome. All thanks to LD Mobile. This is NBL Overtime, and boys, Homicide Liam, this is why we do the show. This is why we're hyped. This is why we get every Tuesday, we hang out, we talk basketball, we talk the NBL for this type of day. And it's fair to say, like so many other people right across the world, Australia, and of course, in the NBL world, at different times, it's been tedious. Six months not knowing what's going to happen, NBA draft, next stars, who's playing where. And the last four or five days just make this totally worth it. Boys, I am hyped. I am pumped. This is so cool. Hamasan, I'm going to start with you. I'm still upset you haven't got your portrait behind you, but I'll forgive you this week. Hello to you, my man. What's going on, man? Listen, Cam, everything we knew about this league came to fruition on a global stage and it's continuously still happening as we speak with the biggest rumor. I hope that is true. I don't know if it's true, but I hope it's true. We're going to get into that later, but I mean, just everything about basketball in Australia right now, it's just, it's the wave, you know, there's continents and countries, specific countries that have their time, have their opportunity to shine and they've hit their ceiling. This country not only has the wave, but they have nowhere near hit the ceiling yet. The best is still yet to come for Australian basketball. Liam, you and I have grown up loving this for the last 30 odd years. This is remarkable. Like legitimately, Will Weaver signing and the role that he has with the Houston Rockets isn't even in the top 10 stories in the NBA in the last week. It just blows my mind. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's a tsunami at the moment um, because, yeah, I mean, so much positivity about the league. It was so far away from the start of the season still. And yet um, the rundown is just completely jam-packed with uh, players going to the NBA, coaches going to the NBA, um, left, right and centre and so much to get into. All right, let's, 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 let's start with, you mentioned a tsunami, you mentioned the waves. This thing started as a little ripple back in February. We've all been sitting around. We've been sitting around waiting, expecting Scott Machado to run it back with the Cairns Taipans. We loved what he did last year. Officially, finally. And I, I, I'd love to know if the Cairns Taipans crew, and we love them up there in far north Queensland, if they just sat back sniggering at us, uh, knowing that the signature was in the pocket the entire time. I have no idea, but I'm going to start with you, Homicide, because you spoke to him. I seen you on, on Instagram Live or whatever you were doing the other day, man. Talk about Scotty Machado. He back. He... First of all, this is an incredible sign. This was the signing that we needed to make sure Cairns mm. did if they wanted to continue the wave that they created last year, Coach Mike Kelly and company, and they did that. They have um, arguably the biggest two signings in the NBL, you know, and that's running up close with New Zealand. Um, that's how important the signing back to um, Scott Machado was. This is the best point guard in the league, assist leader, um, first team all NBL runner up for the MVP of the league, and he still has a mission to complete, which is to bring a championship to the Kansas Taipans. Incredible signing. We kind of thought it was going to happen, and for them to not only have him back, but they have him back on a, on a two year deal yeah. that just gives him the security, Kansas security, to have his services for the next two years, as well as Space Cam. So we needed teams to retain the services of the superstars in this league, which is extremely difficult to do, but they got it done and kudos to them. 100%. Um, 
I'm going to say Bryce Cotton, probably still the biggest re-signing, but this one is right there. And you're right, right on the back of announcing Cam Oliver as well. The best import duo, I wrote it the other day, the best import duo in the league as of right now, hands down and massive for that team. We saw what they did last year, right? They went from the wooden spoon to a game away from the championship series. And so much of it was revolved around what Scotty did. And you were right, Corey, to talk about him for a long period of time as an MVP candidate because it all revolved around him. Mike Kelly was terrific coach of the year. DJ Newbull, um, Cam Oliver, of course, and that supporting cast of locals. But it, it, Scotty was the engine that made that thing run. And he's just perfect for that franchise. They have... A, an eclectic group of talent there with Cam and Nate and Majuk Deng and Quat Noy and Mirko. They've got like a bunch of guys who wants to get buckets, want to get shots, but they've also got potentially kind of explosive personalities within that group, competitors, passionate guys. And they needed and need a veteran, experienced, confident leader of the pack who can do his thing, make sure everybody eats, keep everybody accountable, be the coach on the floor. He's absolutely perfect and uh, he's going to be awesome to watch again this season and the Taipans are back right there amongst it. This is why, and we've spoken about this before, this, this is why the NBL is so great because you can essentially retool is the wrong word but you can change the perception and go from a team that might be struggling when it comes to wins, losses and playoff wins to a team we're raving about essentially in 12 months and if you if we winded back to the off-season before last year, we were a little worried about Cairns Taipans. We, Liam, when you and I were in Vegas, of course, conversations with Mike Kelly and, and the front office staff, they were like, hey, we're going to be okay. And we're like, look, we're not saying you're not. We're just a little nervous about it. Now we sit here today and we're like, they're running it back. These two imports in the year that 2020 has been, how hard it is to continually get superstars back two cans because there's always someone sniffing around offering maybe a little more extra cash. The very fact is we sit here and today we're like, they've run it back in a two import league. They've been able to fill, you know, DJ Newball leaving in the best possible way by making sure Quat Noy is ready to go and bringing in a, you know, he's a next star, but Mojave King's got us all excited as well. Then for every fan out there right now, if you particularly support a team that might've had one or two down years and you're a little worried about where it's going, the Cairns Taipans is the perfect example of the ability to turn it around and become really the envy of the rest of the competition where we sit today. Good on you and kudos to you all. I'm going to be interested to see how they handle the expectations when the ball rolls out because things are going to be a little different this year. They are not going to be the giant killers. When they beat Perth or they beat New Zealand or they beat Melbourne or Sydney, no one's going to be surprised because we know that they're championship contenders after what they did last season. So um, it's a diff going to be a very different feeling to what that organization really and that fan base have had for a really long time. Like, have when can you remember going into a season where Cairns just had everybody's respect? That's what they're going to have coming into this year because they're led by an MVP candidate. They've got an obviously an all-NBL level import. They've got a whole bunch of really good locals and a coach of the year at the helm. So expectations are there. Can't wait to see how they handle. They'll handle that homicide. Machado, veteran point guard. That won't be an issue in your mind? Not at all because of what you just said. Veteran point guard. He's played all over the place. He's going to keep everybody accountable. He's going to hold himself 
accountable. They are not going to lose sight of what the goal is. And let's think about this. Last season, they lost three games to three games to Illawarra. They win two of those three games. They could be in first place. That's how close it was, you know? So I don't believe that he will forget about that. I don't believe he will let that team forget about that. And I think that they're going to pick up right where they left off. I, I also, we've been obviously waiting and waiting and waiting. And Liam, as I said, floated this in February and had been some media reports around May that it was coming. And I, I'll tell you this, I, I sort of tossed and turned a little nervous. We weren't going to see Scott Machado back until last week. When Cam Oliver kept saying, we're bringing this crew back, we're running it back. <laughs> it allowed me some sleep. I'm not a Cairns Die fans fan specifically, but it allowed me some sleep that it was actually happening and the good news wasn't too far around the corner. So excellent to see him back. And the two-year deal, Homicide, as you touched on and you've written about, Liam, that's monstrous because that means in 12 months' time, we don't sit here going, I wonder if Machado's going to get that European big offer or he's going to get maybe another NBL team sniffing around to try and get him. That gives a little peace of mind for so many people as well. Can I also add, mm. and I wrote this the other day, the thing that made Machado incredible last season, over and above what he's always done, is he shot the absolute heck out of the ball. 40% from three. And Corey, I'm sure you'll agree with this. If he shot 40% from three his entire career, he'd have spent that entire time in the NBA. I agree. But so that's the thing last year that was different for him. Now, that happens for all kinds of different reasons. Maybe he's just been putting in that work, getting those reps, made some adjustments, and now he's knocking them down. Maybe some of it comes from just being comfortable. The system, the flow, the feel of the league, the pace of things, all kinds of different reasons. But that will be the thing I'm really keyed in to watch uh, this season is, does he maintain to that or... Does he regress to what has been the mean for him over the course of his career, which is a low 30s, maybe even a sub 30s three-point shooter? If he comes out and does that again, he's going to be one of the best players in the league once again, and they're going to be rocking and rolling. I, I remember we, uh, the three of us doing that game at, at the NBL Blitz last year. It was the first time that we'd seen him up close in a, a Taipans jersey, and he hit a couple of threes. And I remember discussing the fact that that's not necessarily his game or what has been a strength of his game, and he was able to parlay that into shooting so particularly well so that's a really good point because if he does that again it just opens the entire floor up for him to pretty much do whatever he wants now i, I do want to say this as well i'm not sure how much of the WNBL action you've been catching homicide but we are seeing the cans pop up arena feature in the WNBL. and what i have done and i admit sometimes i'll take credit for things that i don't oh, do in fact all of it liam I actually went on a three-minute rant last night about how Liam Santa Maria wants to get it called the snag pick. Oh, I gave you a name check. So it's good officially man. started. The push to get the snag pit to be the official name in what looks like a very nice arena, by the way, mm. uh, is well and truly underway. To be fair, can I just um, come, oh, no, no. come true for a moment? Oh, no. Clean for a moment. Oh, no. That actually got slipped to me from like a cans from Gordon Greaves up there in the Taipans and... And somebody suggested it in like maybe a Taipan's group chat or something. Oh, and no. it made its way to me. And then I put it out <laughs> to the world. <laughs> the shout out to Gordon Graves have been sending me DMs abusing me. I was like, what am I done to you, daughter? <laughs> uh, no, nah, it does look like a nice stadium, nice court. And for a pop-up arena, it looks brilliant from where we sit. So all happening for Cairns.
Before we get to the NBA draft, any last words on Machado and the Taipans? Let's go. Let's, Let's go. do it. Let's go. And this is something, and I know, you know, when the commission joined us a couple of weeks ago, he was humble about this. And, and fair, we might have laid it on a little bit, and I have no doubt that it wasn't just his sole idea. But when everyone sat down at the top level of the NBL and management and came up with this idea and discussed it and spitballed it five, six years ago, I don't think they expected in 2020 to be sitting down and be having two next stars taken in the first round, one at number three. And the very fact that there is an Aussie also in the first round just adds so much of it. I'm going to start with you, Homicide. LaMelo Ball, number three, Charlotte Hornets. Take us through your thoughts and how big it was for not just LaMelo Ball and everyone else, but the NBL to actually see this happen. Well, my initial thoughts was I thought he was going number one. You guys know it. I said number one the whole time. And I said that not necessarily for Minnesota to keep him, but for Minnesota to trade him to get a veteran shooting guard alongside D'Lo. That's what made sense to me. But again, I'm not in the war room. They decided to go with Anthony Edwards. Number two was a lock. We all knew James Wiseman was going too. So that would only have Melo drop to number three, which ideally ended up being the best situation because he's going in there starting and he's under the GOAT, Michael Jordan. So for a guy like him, who would you rather be under? You know, Tom Thibodeau, who's the old school type of coach that doesn't play that with the rookies or rock with Team MJ. And um, it worked out really well. Uh, great look. This year was a great year for him. It obviously built up his stock. He came into the NBL, what, 30s? Mm-hmm. Late, late, um, either early second round, late first round on the yeah. draft, mock draft, and he played his way all the way up. So, you know, you give credit where credit's due. He worked his way up to that to that spot. So congratulations to him. Before we hear from you, Liam, just quickly, Homicide, that's a perfect point you make. He went from, we'll say 30 to round it down. 33. He was 46, 33? then he was 33. Then when he announced he was coming to the NBL, he jumped to 24 and then zoomed up right to the top of the ball. Well, on that homicide, for those exact numbers there, you've got contacts, you, you have these conversations with certain people. How much is this going to help kids his age who don't want to play collegiately see the NBL? They continually go from strength to strength and our conversations there that this can happen more and more when, when it's now, on the record, he's a number three pick after doing what he did. I think that for so many reasons, this validates this league for so many reasons. And we're going to talk about it this whole episode. You know, a lot of times before things happen, someone comes out and says something. People will usually, you know, laugh at the person or don't take that person serious until things begin to happen. It becomes a snowball effect. Not only LaMelo Ball gets drafted, right? RJ Hampton gets drafted. Then after that, Will, Will Magnet is going to go to the league, right? Then after that, Will Weaver, the coach, goes. Jay Sean Tate goes. You know, guys that played in the NBL that's in the NBA are doing well. You know, Ozzies over there are doing well and play significant roles, the majority of them, for their respective NBA club. So at some point, everybody's going to have to look and say, Yo, I don't know what's going on in that small country that takes a day to get to, but that's the way because on every level, every aspect of basketball, it's all starting to point to Australia. You cannot think 
You can't not, after this offseason, you can't not think Australia and NBL. And that's what it's all about. So when I'm screaming, just like you guys, you know, not to take nothing away from you. When I say this ain't a cupcake league and guys in America like, yo, homicide, come on, man. You hyping it. It ain't like that. Well, guess what? It's like that. You're seeing it. Those same guys that's telling me, yo, homicide, come on, man. It ain't like that. You just hyping it because you work for them. And I'm like, all right, those are the same guys in my DMs today. Yo, Hama, what's good, man? Could you hook me up and get me on a team? It's real talk. So I'm just going to tell you guys, like I'm telling everybody else out there. I know what I know, man. NBL, it ain't a cupcake league. And you say, I know what I know. I say, I say, if you know, you know, because like, uh, we talked about where Lamella was on those mock drafts, right? And we're talking about Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmidt's ESPN mock draft, which is the one we start with and we, we, we look at. Well, Jonathan Gavoni knows this league inside out, okay? He knows international basketball, but he also has been scouting for the New Zealand Breakers for a really long time. And he's, you know, he watches the league on the reg. And so when he watches Lamelo do his thing in the States, he, he do his thing at the Drew League, He's like, cool, I'm super excited about his talent, but I haven't seen him do it at a level that tells me he's ready to go. And so that's why he's sitting at the uh, early early second round at that point. Well, Gavoni was sitting courtside at the Blitz when he came out and did that against Damian Martin and Bryce Cotton and Nick Kay and Mitch Norton and the Perth Wildcats. And after that game, that night, when he saw him go up against defending NBL champions, he was like, okay, now I can tick it off. And he vaulted to number two because Gavoni knows the league. Now, Corey, you talk about three, one. Uh, Viewers of our show have heard you talk about number one the whole way along. And like I said a few weeks ago, credit where it's due, mate, because you said it from day one. He may not have gone number one, but he was a consensus top three pick the right the way through over the last couple of months. And I tell you, that's good enough for me. And we all know that if Charlotte had the number one pick, if Chicago, if Detroit, if New York, if any of those teams had the number one pick instead of Minnesota, he was going to be taken at that number one spot. So he's at that level. I love, I said a couple of weeks ago, it's more important to me as a guy who wants to see him going on and have a spectacular career and represent the NBL in that way, that he arrives in a great situation. And for all the reasons you just spelled out, he's got that in Charlotte. He's going to have the ball. He's going to be able to run that team. Hopefully, they, James Borrego gives him a little rope mm-hmm. to make some mistakes because he's got that kind of game. He needs that and can't wait to watch his career get underway. Um, I, I agree with everything you just said. But when I say it ain't a cupcake league, I base the strength of any league off of your locals, okay? Look, teams got money, you can buy imports, okay? You can buy the level of talent that you want. When your local players are going to the NBA, that's how you gauge the strength of a domestic competition. When your local players are going to Europe as imports, getting buckets, that's how you know the strength of a league. So look, In Europe, yeah, there's a lot of big-name countries, okay? This is where the drop-off happens. They'll have about 16 teams, right? Six of the teams would be legit. After that, the budget shrinks so small, 
their locals and imports are pretty much no good. Your imports could not play and your locals would beat those other teams. That's not telling me your league is strong. Show up and play a last place team in this league without imports. Watch how your team get dragged. That's why I say it ain't a cupcake league. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Tell me a league where out of nine teams, six or five, six of them are going to play preseason in the NBA. Those are players' dreams that are never playing an NBA court. To have an opportunity to match up, not one game, two games in that tour. You get what I'm saying? Open roof games. Come on, man. You're playing in a country that's safe. You're going to get paid on. All of these things matter. How many times we hear these horrid stories from current players and former players? Man, I was in Greece. Didn't get paid. Why is that league so good? What are you going to do? Work to get paid. I don't rate a league like that. I was one of those guys. You get what I'm saying? So when you put all of this together, there's no argument how legitimate this league is. And the NBL Next Stars put it on the map. That was the breakthrough year. Mm. That was the breakthrough. And before we move on from, from Lamella, while we're talking about Next Stars, these guys are getting drafted. Um, I want to shout out Jeremy Lolega mm-hmm. because... And, and Larry, obviously those guys in, in consultation with each other and the, everyone involved with the Illawarra Hawks for taking him on board because there were doubters that it was a good idea to bring Lamello in, right? And some, some of us, if not I all of us, too. right, sitting at our desk, we felt that way, that, that, that there were so many other elements to it that we thought it wasn't the right thing to do for us, for our league, um, but clearly... It was, and they took that leap of faith, which it was, because it brought a whole bunch of eyeballs and you better be confident that it's going to work out if you have that level of attention. And that confidence was there. That was a very smart decision. It's worked out incredibly well for LaMelo and it's worked out incredibly well for the league. And it's worked out very well for guys like Jay Sean Tate, Will Magna and the like as well, just quietly. It was so cool watching the NBA draft and seeing highlights of the NBL and be at LaMelo Ball. And then a little bit later on, RJ Hampton, which is where we'll go now, of course, joined us a couple of weeks ago. And we were both, and we, we, we all interviewed him uh, just over a, a year ago when he came on NBL Overtime when he first got to Australia and then, of course, into New Zealand. But we, we were, well, I'll speak for myself. I was taken aback how great he was. Polished. He, he interviewed so brilliantly with us. He was, he was ready to go. And there is no doubt... He, he's matured off-court, and on-court's a different situation. But the, the RJ Hampton that sat before us a couple of weeks ago is one that when he gets his name and had his name called out last week, I am so certain he's going to have a long, long career in the NBA. I'm going to start with you, Liam. It was kind of cool. He goes to a good team, so he's not going to get maybe the opportunities early that LaMelo Ball is going to get. But RJ Hampton, again, gets that opportunity to be a uh, NBA player and one that we expected he'll take and run with for a long period of time. It's great. First round draft pick. That's great. Um, let's be honest. He slipped a bit. He slipped. We were all watching the draft. We thought he was probably going to go somewhere in the teens, the mid teens, who knows, 14, 15, 16. I felt, um, but he slipped a little. And the, the thing that I find kind of cool about what ended up happening was the Denver Nuggets traded for that pick to draft RJ. Mm because they saw him slipping. And that's a very savvy front office. Tim Connolly is a great talent evaluator. He's the guy, he knows this league. He does. He's the guy who came out here, saw Tory Craig and, and made that happen. Um, and this is an organization that's had 
they saw Michael Porter Jr. slipping last year and they were opportunistic with that. They drafted Jokic late. Like this is a savvy front office and they gave up a future protected, a lottery protected first round pick to pounce on RJ when they saw him sliding down the board. That's great. He lands in a position now where with a team and, a, and an organization that believes in his potential, which is good because if you slip a little bit and then you get picked up, you're not sure if you're going to that kind of situation. Whereas mm. he can feel comfortable that he is. Minutes are going to be hard to come by in the first uh, year or so. But, uh, you know, we know he's he's got a good head on his shoulders and he's going to put in the work. And um, But... That you know, he's that's can be a difficult situation for young guys who think, "Hey, I'm in the NBA now. I'm going to show my thing." But you don't get that opportunity right off the bat. Hopefully, he handles that well, and um, we get to watch him blossom over the next few years. And I agree. Hopefully, I believe he will handle that well. He's too mature not to, mm-hmm. and that's why I said this season is going to help him become a better pro because of, there was a lot of peaks and valleys, you know, with his up with his time here. So. For him to jump into a situation like that, and yes, he definitely slid and dropped further than we we all thought. I'm pretty sure him as well. And I think that what he will do with that is just you know it just adds to the chip on his shoulder. He's just going to continue to go harder, and when he gets his opportunity, he will show up. So good luck to him. Hey, poor, poor kid as well. I thought he got traded the other day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he got a shout out from Woj though, so his draft day was complete. He did, he did. But he, you know, he had a bit of a tough spot there on the on the broadcast too. I mean, he was clearly disappointed, but it's like Milwaukee, New Orleans. What cap do we, you know, Rod's throwing yeah. the cap? And it got a little crazy there for a moment. But uh, look, he's he's in Denver and he's he's off and going now. He, and I have a feeling too, and obviously the the vision and, and what we've seen on the on the broadcast. Just, just imagine, and I tried for a split second to be in that situation, not as a player, but as in everything that's going on. So you're like, okay, am I, I, I've been traded, so I've drafted, but I've just, my dream of being an NBA player is just in the, oh, hang on, I'm getting, oh, hang on. It, it would be remarkable, and you've got yep. live vision. You're in the top 24 players chosen in that particular year in the draft. It, it, it was remarkable viewing, and it, it came across as, what the hell's going on here? But really, it would just be so chaotic for that five, 10 seconds to know what type of cap to put on. And I think that, you know, for both the reason you guys mentioned there, it's not dissimilar to what happened last year with him in the NBL. Lamello went to a, a, a team that pretty much gave him the pill and said, here you go, you roll with it. RJ, who, who spoke a couple of weeks ago, went to a, a deeper New Zealand team, had some injuries, of course, and slipped out of that rotation a little bit. But it, it's not dissimilar, obviously, on a, on a higher plane. But... Uh, what he learned and what he told us he learned from that 12 months in the NBL is just going to be the, the same learning experience he's going to have at Denver as we go into a, into a season that we all kind of think Denver are going to be pretty good and, and, and contending for, you know, deep into the Western Conference playoffs and who knows from there. That's true. Can, shout out to his little brother too, just quietly, because I loved his energy in that moment. He, he perfectly encapsulated tw- my, my mentality about 2020 in that moment because it's all going crazy around him. He's not sure how to handle it. He just kept a good humor in the moment. Now, remarkably, and again, this is this is a credit to the league and where we are, but we had an Australian who had a really good year collegially last year, drafted in the first round. And if we look back, of course, 
when, when Australians have been drafted, not just in the first round, but drafted at all, it has been the talking point. It's been the main story. It's what we talk about going forward. And it, we don't want to diminish Josh Green because we know he's a very good basketballer and is going to be a part of hopefully the boomers for a long period of time once he slips on the green and goal. But he gets drafted to the Dallas Mavericks. We know how good this kid can be only the one year at uh, the University of Arizona, but it's also a credit to the next stars program and the Machado signing at Cairns that it's taken us the better part of 25 minutes to get to an Aussie in the first round. And, and Liam, it, it feels like copy and paste, but it is so exciting to see the league and Australian basketball sit here today. And we just be like, yeah, natural. Josh Green's in the first round. That's, that's just what we do here in Australia. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also kind of a credit to him, right? Because we've known over the last few of years that he was on a collision course to mm-hmm. becoming a first-round draft pick, right? So um, it was great. Talk, talk about a guy slipping. He climbed up the board a little bit, and the, and the Mavs just snapped him up at, at pick 18, which is, which is great. And as we know, it's a, it's a really good landing spot for him. It's a great fit. They like his skill set and how it will fit in within their roster and um, the ability to potentially play his way into that rotation in year one on a team that's going to, you know, looking to really do things. So that's super exciting. I love how much he loves being Australian. Yeah. And repping at the flag there on the wall. He's been saying all the right things about wanting to become a boomer. This is a guy who hasn't, hasn't been back in the country for quite some time yeah. after growing up in New South Wales. So excited about him being a part of our super exciting future uh, as a country in the game and what he can do in that Mavs jersey. Just just on that, hasn't you know, a month ago we sat on this show and we spoke about, oh, who are we going to... We might not have an NBA player playing the Olympics if the NBA goes too long. And all of a sudden, I hear Aaron Baines this morning on Melbourne Radio talking about getting a medal. We talk about the depth. You know, Delaver Dover's just like... In a month, we've gone from who the hell's going to play for this Boomers team to, geez, we've got so many guys in the NBA. We're going to have NBA players missing out on roster spots. And I'm psyched. I'm psyched. I'm on top of the world on my side. I'm trying to tell you, man, it's not a better time ever to be a part of Australian basketball than it is now on every absolutely every level so look i got the best seat in the house next to you guys so i'm just well, excited to be here <laughs> i'm trying to leverage i'm trying to leverage the next star program the nba draft all this i'm trying to leverage two nbl overtime shows a week now so far i've been knocked back every single time but you know what if you keep knocking sooner or later the door breaks that's, that's right. a uh, motto of mine um we talk next stars and how cool it is that they spend a year here and then they get drafted and it never really, and I guess 2020 in the way that it's worked out. Uh, now we're talking about a next star who um, has been drafted already. <laughs> we're a remarkable situation. Justinian Jessup. Like, well, well, I'm a, I'm a, so we'll start with you because it's come full circle. And this guy's going to play in the NBL. So he's not going to, to Golden State. And of course, there was maybe a moment of interest, obviously, um, with the unfortunate Clay Thompson injury. But we're going to see... Not, not dissimilar to Diddle Lazada, of course, but we're going to see Justin and Jessup do his stuff next year as well. And, and that intriguing Hawks storyline that I, I think is going to be one that's going to continue to involve almost on a daily basis, got a kickstart last week with this, uh, with this announcement. I mean, it's just fantastic. This is the first organization in the NBL, if I'm correct, to have two players from their organization get drafted in the same draft. That's incredible. Um, 
he's a Colorado kid, Justinian Jessup, got a ratchet, can score, can do a lot of different things. And for him to be here, I think he's here. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But for him to be in a Hawks uniform, Brian Gorgian has to be happy. He has another, he has a legitimate NBA, he has an NBA player on his roster as a next star. Like it doesn't get any better than that. Obviously, Didi up the road, but I mean, imagine those matchups, and they will be matched up against each other. I, I oh, man, listen, I'm I'm just happy for him. Shout out, he's a Colorado kid. Shout out to former four A state player of the year, Justinian Jessup. Good luck. I, I am right, Liam. I, I don't want to get the Hawkeyes really excited that I've got wrong info. He is staying, right? He's staying. Yeah, yeah. he said uh, on the content there that um, he got the call from Steve Kerr, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It was. Pretty remarkable situation. Sitting in quarantine in a hotel, can't get a stream. The TV doesn't hear, have ESPN. Can't get uh, find the broadcast. So he's like, "Well, I may or may not get drafted, but I guess I'll just wait for a text message from my agent," which he got. Yeah, incredible situation. Gets the call from Coach Kerr, who says, "Hey, congratulations. We're excited to have you. We're going to keep you over there. Do your thing. Have a great season, and we'll talk." Um, incredible. Now. Always fun to shout out the bosses, especially if you can do it twice in one episode. But mm-hmm. hands up if you thought Justinian Jessup was going to get drafted when he was announced as a next star for the Hawks. Very few did. Brian Colangelo and that ownership group and Jeremy Lolega thought it was a legit possibility. And not only did he get drafted, he got picked in pick 51, which is, which is a little higher than what I thought was even probably likely. And here's the question I've got for you, fellas. It is. The kid even start with the Hawks. You know, you've got Harvey, Simon, and Deng Adele across the one, two, and three there. You could play an undersized four-man there of Deng Adele if you want to run and gun and have some fun. But I tell you what, that that's there have got a stacked group that right there. And he's certainly going to play a whole bunch of minutes. He's going to get a whole bunch of shots. They're going to run him off a whole bunch of picks. And great result for that team, that guy in the league. I, that I, I, is that's crazy, man. That is crazy. Like I, I got all the teams on this paper in front of me, right? You got Cairns, New Zealand, Melbourne, Perth, Sydney, right? Usual suspects. You got to throw Illawarra in there. You got to throw Phoenix in there. Adam, oh my God, man! Look, it's way too early to even do it, but I'm not. But I'm just like, if he's coming off the bench. He, so, well, one of those guys is coming off the bench. Somebody got to come off the bench. That's just a, a luxury to have. I right? think it'll oh be, I, I think he will be almost identically played to Diddy Lazada last year. Now, I don't think they're as talented and, and won't be as successful as the Kings were, but as you just touched on, this is an open year homicide. So, mm. who knows what's going to happen? And uh, I went as far to say after we watched Diddy Lazada at the Summer League that he will be starting, and, and Brad Newley's year was outstanding. And, and yes, it probably. You know, on the practice, like the practice court is where so many of these young players get better. So I think they'll use, I don't think he'll start the season, not to say that he can't force himself into it and they restructure the lineup a little bit, but I, I think he'll be used similarly to what Diddle Azada is, where they'll take a, a cautious approach with him at times. I'm going to say this as well. I think there's a very good chance if he wasn't signed to an NBL deal, he didn't have that situation in his back pocket ready to go. He, that he wouldn't get drafted. So great move by him, great move by the league, great move by that organization. Such a really strange year where that pre-stash 
option was something that worked to his advantage. And he got kind of signed on to the dotted line and put himself in that position. And it was a clever play because I think the Warriors looked at that and said, look, we're not in the position where we want to bring in this guy that we're going to pick at 51. So let's look at what's out there that we can make work for our organization. So great result. I'm not saying he's not that level of player and he doesn't have the potential to be an NBA guy. It's just a savvy move within the marketplace, I think, that has paid off. But that, that's, so, the tri- that's just on that. Sorry, that, that's the trickle down effect. Okay. So they look at the ball and the, the Hampton situation. They look at DD last year and how well he went and where the league is currently at. And that's, that's exactly, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. If he may not have been drafted and not suggesting that he isn't at that level, but the very, that, that is what the NBL is now. Homicide, in his words earlier, you know, they look at this whole, and not just on court, off court as well with coaches. And, and they're like, you know what? This dude's in the NBL. Hmm. Ball did this. Hampton did this. Lazada did this. New Orleans are sending Lazada back for another year. So clearly they're wrapped with everything that is happening. So that is just a continual trickle-down effect that while hopefully, such would we don't see 2020 and the NBA draft in November ever again, it is something that clubs and franchises, homicide, are going to continue to look at and will just make our league stronger each and every year. I'm going to add this into it. You ready for this, fellas? Because I know you thought about it. Oh no! But I'm gonna I'm gonna add this into the play. Let me tell you the type of respect that this league has. The league is so respected when the commissioner Adam Silver call Lamelo Ball's name and call R.J. Hampton's name. They said Lamelo Ball from Chino Hills. This is what you call business, chess. We're not even going to say your league's name. You know why? The effect that the NBL has had. They, the Next Stars program forced the NBA's hand to do something they didn't want to do. Keep the one and done talent on U.S. soil. Because if they don't, they coming down under. That's the effect of it. We can't get this, this organization that much props on our stage. This is our night. We're not going to talk about them. We're going to say the, the players' names and say where they're from. That's respect. I want to say your idea that you threw out, I reckon, around six months ago, Liam, but that, that continual conversation around a 23 and under or a 25 and under touring group from the G League. And yet again, I understand the logistical issues in the world we currently live in. But if yeah. you think about Jessup, Lazada, Magna, these guys going against those, that, that are probably a couple of years away now to be fleshed out. But geez, the more and more we see these young guys who, who come over here and, and, and play a role, the more that that type of situation endears itself to so many, not just scouts, but basketball fans, I think it'd be cool to watch. A couple of things on that. Um, I mean, we're still hoping that Magna probably won't be here, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, he probably wouldn't be involved in that. And you're right, the logistical things can't be just swept over because that's it's probably going to be difficult for that team to come out here under the current situation. But that lends itself to the conversation about what the heck's going to happen with the G League? You know, like it's what's going to happen with that team and those prospects. And you imagine they're going to set up little bubbles and tournaments and things that they're going to be able to play. But to be able to just go around and play a G League season is going to be very, very difficult to do. And that's why I think you look at, 
you know, that, that Golden State organization looks at the situation that Justinian Jessup has and goes in a very, very uncertain world and a constantly shifting landscape, we have some certainty around what's going to take place with this kid over the next little while. And he's going to play under the national coach, a highly respected coach. We know the NBA links within that organization. And that feels like a situation that works for us. So a big tick in the box for sure. All right. Far be it for me to sit here and whack the New South Wales or federal governments. But if you've got the hotel quarantine programming, which of course is the best for all, I'm not disagreeing with that. But if you've got to put a dude in the room who's a professional basketballer, and at least at the time that he entered the country was on the periphery, at least in the conversation of NBA franchises, you've got to make sure he ends up in a room with ESPN. <laughs> Come on. A bit rough. <laughs> Poor kid sits there and, of course, going through the time that he is. And I understand all of that. But just at least allow him to look and see the announcement that he's been drafted to an NBA yeah. team. And that's something I'll, yet again, I hope it never happens again. But if it does, that's something I think the federal government and New South Wales governments and all state governments should make sure happens. Pro <laughs> basketballer, ESPN on the tube. Non-negotiable. I like it. <laughs> All right. A couple of guys were undrafted. Okay. If you want to roll, Liam, if you want to just have a look at, take us through a couple of these guys, because they've kind of got thrown later into the mix. Quatnoy, there's a little bit of discussion, some conversation, frolling as well. Uh, it's not going to hurt their ability to get in the NBA, although their names weren't called out last week. Yeah. That's, you know, quite nice. Sam Froling, John Mooney. John Mooney. Um, Yanni Wetzel, these mm -hmm. kind of guys. They didn't have their name called. There are other guys, of course, who were draft eligible, maybe didn't have all those kind of Zoom calls that, you know, Dion Vasiljevic and Jack White. These guys were all draft eligible. Um, but they've all gone undrafted. But, heck, there are over, I think there are over 100 guys in the NBA last season who were in the league mm -hmm. having been undrafted. Jay Sean Tate was undrafted we'll get two years ago. Tory Craig was undrafted. Will Magne was undrafted a couple of years ago. So the challenge is there for these guys to knuckle down, put in the work, blow up, blow up and put themselves back on that map. Hey, Fred Van Vliet was undrafted. Just signed an 88 miller. I think it was 88 million there biggest contract in the history of the NBA being undrafted. So there are those type of stories as to why we love the NBA and sport in general, where it's somewhat a fairy tale and those guys can write their own now. Remember a couple of weeks ago, Homicide, and we talk about Will Weaver and the Rockets and then Liam sort of just out of the side of his mouth said, oh, it might not be the only NBA connection at the Rockets. And he tried to just sneak it in there. And I was like, I'm not letting him get away with this. And he dropped the Josh Sean Tate news. And then from there, everyone seemed to be rolling with it. And now it ends up today that he's looking at a three-year deal. I'm going to start with you. And I'll start with you, Homicide, because, man, he was the first ever guest. He was the only player we ever had on NBL Overtime, I think, in season. So um, clearly we saw the writing on the roll earlier than others. Uh, but this is, this, is such a huge, this is such a huge situation for Josh Sean Tate and the Kings and all the things you said earlier. Great personality, great energy. He was a huge key with everything they had going on. First team All NBL, you know, top two power forward in the in the league between he and himself and Nick K. Um, listen, man, for, the way I look at him is, he is uh, Draymond Green, 
with better offense, P.J. Tucker type. Um, he will obviously go where his coaches in Houston. They're in the rebuilding phase. He's going to have an opportunity to play and do his thing. And I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. Guys are coming over here, coming to put in work and get to the big show. Again, another example of coming over here and six months could change your life. Liam, He's a I remember, classic example of it. Liam, I remember when we first did see him and we had that undersized conversation and you told us a story about how a couple of people have said, just wait and see. You just wait and see what this guy can do. And that, that's the first thing I thought about when I did. And you mentioned the news and it has obviously grown legs since then. That undersized lasted about three minutes until we actually saw him on the court. And, and that energy, which is contagious, and the way he plays his basketball is the reason he's now on a three-year deal. Is it official yet? Or about to be in the NBA? Yeah, it is. It's incredible. Six, four undersized power forward. Three-year deal, guaranteed money for above the minimum. Mm-hmm. So you come in at the minimum with no year's experience. You're talking about about 900,000 USD. But... His deal, my understanding, what I'm told is that it's already jumped up as if he's got one year of experience, which is about 1.4 and a half million in year one. And then it scales up a little bit from there with a third year, there's, a, there's an option involved. Wow, congratulations to him. And you're right. I mean, what a big heart, great personality, incredible teammate, enormous motor plays harder than almost anybody else out on the floor if Mitch Creek isn't out there battling up against him and um, he gets his just desserts. And it was a very savvy play by his agent, EJ Kushner, who is also the agent of Ben Moore. He's brought him out here this year for similar reasons because ahead of last season, when he was a free agent, he'd played in Belgium, he'd played pretty well, and he had considerably larger offers on the table in Europe. But his agent, Kushner, um, convinced him, said, take less, play in Sydney, play in this league that everyone's going to be watching next season because of these next stars and because of the way the league is all put together. Play in this this system with Will Weaver and it'll pay off in the long run. And he, he bet on Jay Sean and the NBL and Jay Sean bet on himself and the league, and it's paying off in Spain. And still, I think the only guest we've had on in season. <laughs> no, we had um, grown man business. I, did we have Mitch Creek in season? Ty Wesley. Yeah, that's right. Ty Wesley, of course. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I mentioned them more. You know, he's, he's obviously been in the league with the Pacers. But he's trying to do the same thing. Same mm-hmm. agent, same message. Big motor, great teammate, undersized. Can't wait to watch him with the Phoenix this season. Can't wait. It's going to be a huge... And of course, we just might just quickly mention before we get to a couple other things. The, we, we haven't got to the fact of the announcement. I don't think it's even on the rundown that uh, we're still tracking towards middle of January. It was, it was released late last week. It kind of got swallowed up by so many other things. So... Yeah, you know, this time of year does fly as we start to get back to some type of normality. We've seen some borders open again to Victoria from December 1. So we're getting closer and closer to this season starting, even though we've been waiting for what feels like forever. All right, something did... Yes, Liam? I'm going to say, can we talk about John Wall? Hang on. Let's just quickly mention a couple other things first. John Wall! Corey Craig? 
Okay, let's do Tory Craig. Took me a little bit by surprise. I didn't kind of think this was on the horizon. He got squeezed out when it comes to player spots, but he's ended up at a, a pretty nice spot for him. And he's again going to get uh, probably a similar role. A couple of guys have left the box that have opened it up. He's going to get similar type minutes, you'd think, on a team that's going to challenge. So uh, while he has to live in Milwaukee compared to uh, living in Denver, I'll be, I know I'd rather live in particular in winter, but in saying that, uh, he's, he's, it's, it's not going to, he's still going to get opportunities, big opportunities on a team that's going to play big games. For sure. I love See, watching a guy him. like that. Go ahead, Corey. A guy like that that comes in and plays quality defense on a winning organization, mm-hmm. that's what he's going to be attracted to. Winners, you know, love winners. So what he brings to the table is invaluable defending elite players and, you know, stay down till you come up. Played great. His opportunities that he had presented to him. Signed a deal earlier. What did he, what did he sign about? A two-year deal with, with Denver? Mm-hmm. Right. His time is up, and now he joins Milwaukee. And look, they're the championship contending organization as well. So bring your services over there. But Denver's cold but not like Milwaukee. (laughs) Anyone who's been to Wisconsin in the dead of winter, which I have. Um, Obviously we love watching every step of his journey after doing, you know, best defensive player in our league and growing his game for a number of years in this competition. Um, I want him to come out this year and knock that thing down. Because we know he's a very highly regarded defender. He's a guy that they feel like, teams feel like, hey, when we're in the playoffs and we're going against LeBron James or guys like that, Paul George, or got elite players on the wing, Kawhi Leonard, we got a guy that we can roll out there for long minutes, maybe even start and, you know, defend him at a high level, can switch right across the perimeter and strong enough to hold guys out of the paint. But if, he, if he's going to really stick, if he's going to really get a big payday in the next couple of years, it's because he combines that with the ability to catch that thing in the corner and knock it down at a really high rate. That's the bit he hasn't quite proven yet in the league. And if he can do that, well, the sky's going to be the limit for the rest of his career. Hashtag NBL overtime to get involved. Now we can talk about John Wall. Are you going to skip over Greg Whittington? My apologies. Greg, my apologies. I'm so, I am calling for John Wall. We, we do. Yeah. That. But that's a nice little result too. That is. It's a, it's a good result. Man. And a guy that we've seen in what year, a couple of years. What was it? Three? I was trying to think it about this. Drew's first year with the Kings. Drew's first year, yeah, where they were pretty good early. And then it Very didn't good really early. work out uh, later in the year. But good opportunity. And again, maybe not to the level of some of the earlier conversations we have had, but just a continual conversation about coming to the NBL at some point in recent times, how it helps your game and ends you back for a lot of these guys where they want to end up back. No, that holds a lot of weight. It holds a lot of weight because he's NBL alum, Mm -hmm. just like guys that have gone through EuroLeague. So when people talk about EuroLeague, they mention he played EuroLeague as well. Well, guess what? He played NBL. Now do you want to talk about John Wall? Let's do it. Did this come out of the blue? Liam, like, I just popped up on Twitter. Like, was this? Was there any murmurings? I know that you have, obviously, close friendship and two within the Phoenix. Like, do you have any idea that John Wall was going to be a part of this consortium, which is full of NBA past and present stars, uh, of course, as we know? Did we have any idea this was coming? 
every time I read about John Wall in the news, it's about him being traded currently or maybe finding a new home. And we know that he's had to battle through that, that Achilles injury. And all of a sudden he pops up and South East Melbourne Phoenix and, uh, I'm looking forward to him joining NBL overtime when the uh, deal is official next couple How of weeks. Is it? I mean, what a fun thing to wake up to. Mark yep. Stein just drops it. And um, I love the little trail of tweets as well, explaining the league and who else is involved. And mm-hmm. we need to get some kind of banana boat type situation with this <laughs> with this ownership group. What do you reckon? What do we do? Get, it, get him on the Yarra? Get him on the Yarra River. There you go, boys. Ain't no clean. Don't fall off, but uh, enjoy it. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, like Wall and Chill and Harrington and Zebo and Dante and Romy Shattery is building quite a collection of owners there. And um, great to have him buying in. According to Mark Stein, we await official word from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. But the coolest ownership group in the NBL just got that much cooler. Hey, Homicide, I see the Breakers, a little tongue in cheek, but I did see the Breakers uh, tweeted this morning about having a uh, you know, celebrity owners game. And who would or wouldn't make it and, and having a little uh, fun with Matt Walsh. Did this legitimately? They'd sell some tickets. If they had an NBL All-Star Weekend and had the, the only celebrity versus game. all other takers. Yeah, I, I would say that'd be that would definitely be the favorites. We have an all-star game. You're having there's gonna be mate, there might be an NBA guy former who misses out on making the 10-man roster we see we've seen what hutchie's been able to do out there in the uh, legends ej witten game you might come out and have a moment <laughs> if hutchie ever hits a three on john wall <laughs> that'll do me but it, this is great for league homicide and 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 yet again this is monstrous this is this is fantastic if this is true this is incredible, man, because now think about this. Now it is NBA players, NBA all-stars, like superstars, mm-hmm. buying into this league all that takes a day to get to from America. Oh, mate, mate, there's direct flights. It doesn't take a day anymore. It takes it's a, day. a little. If it's, you it leave it from New York, it takes you it takes about 22 okay. hours. No, I'll grant you that. And... Again, it just goes to show you, like, these guys cannot get ownership mm-hmm. in the NBA. costs way too much. So to come down and be a part of this league, it shows you, I'm pretty sure, as always, NBA players, high elite level professional athletes get offered opportunities to be a part of plenty sporting organizations in the world. So for them to take part in the NBL, that says a lot about the quality of the league and for them and their brand to be associated with this league is huge. It's, it really is. And, you know, we talk about word of mouth when it comes to players or at least that conversation about somebody saying, yeah, I spent a year in Australia and it was amazing and it just sort of snowballs from there. That, it's no different with ownership. We've had, of course, we had uh, Kevin Martin join us on NBL Overtime, at, you know, a couple of months ago and spoke about the, the process from playing to being an owner now, of course, involved in that point. You know, Josh Childress. So, you know, I'm not certain if there, there is a relationship there. Of course, Childress and, and Wall are in the same team now. But the, the fact is that, like, if you have that relationship and Kevin Martin's like, hey, yeah, you know, I've got this team and this is how I'm doing. I've got my hands on here. We're doing this. It helps me with this. Then that just snowballs. And it's going to continue to get more and more as time goes on. So it ain't going away. And as much as it's great and a surprise to wake up this morning and see Mark Stein in that tweet, the very fact is we're probably going to have to get used to it. Because I think it's going to happen more and more as, as, as time goes on. I'm okay with it. Yeah, bloody oath. <laughs> well, mind you, it, it stops our dream of 
NBL overtime owning a team because with uh, more and more big cash coming in, it becomes harder for us to uh, be able to purchase That is true. That is true. But it's interesting, though, because these guys, when they buy in, uh, some are going to be more hands-on than others, right? So what kind of an impact does it have when these NBA guys buy in as owners of a team? Well, for some of them, guy like Kevin Martin, um, guy like Andrew Bogut, when he becomes, you know, his ownership stake and the Kings kicks in, those guys are going to be hands-on, decision-makers, involved in the, the running of the organization. And then, and then other guys like the Matrix and, um, you know, some of these Phoenix owners are a little bit more at a, at a kind of a consultative level than, you know, the funds, the resources, terrific. Um, the networks, the ability, you know, we, we ask them every time, well, what's your primary involvement? Hey, I can help to find imports. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got these networks, networks over here. So um, being a part of those conversations, but but also coming down here and enjoy, we saw Zebo here last season and um, coming down, enjoying the league, getting amongst it, being a part of it, continuing to shine a bigger spotlight on it. It's all a great result. No, no truth to the rumor that Bradley Beal is going to play point guard for the Phoenix. But uh, outside of that, I think everything else we've read on Twitter from official sources, at least is somewhat true. It is great. Exactly. Outside of pissing off the federal and New South Wales government, I think we've had a good show. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> it's been big. It has been massive. Any last words, boys, before we finally do close the chapter on, on tonight? Because it has been a huge week. And it's only going to continue to build as we get closer to this season. Yeah, we're on, we're on Will Magne Watch. Yes. We're on Will Magne Watch. We're on Jock Landau Watch. See what impact. Because, you know, we want those guys to get NBA deals, but there's flow-on effects within... MBL teams as well. So keep refreshing Woj and Shams and uh, let's see if one of those or both of those guys can get a deal done in the next little while. Hashtag MBL overtime to get involved. However you want to do it. It has been, a, it's a huge week. Uh, I'm assuming Gibbo's got his pod tomorrow. So look out for that. MBL rewinds around. We've got an isolation conversation. This shouldn't be too far away. At MBL, wherever you are, get your MBL social media news. If it's not mbl.com.au, jump on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, all the rest. So keep Hashtagging MBL overtime. Boys, I'm having a nap. See you next week. Peace.